and welcome to Stationery Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my Cypriot friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's the med this week? It's it's all right, thanks. Um, it's being it's being very Mediterranean, so it's quite mild. We're getting little bits and pieces of rain, but nothing too serious. Um, it's well, I mean, in comparison to what you guys are going through, I'm looking now. We're at 15 degrees centigrade positive, which I'm going to guess is milder than you. How are things in Canada? Cold. That's it. Just cold. Okay. Uh, we got feats of snow. Um, we had a low of minus 26 degrees Celsius, which is, I looked it up, minus 14.8 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, plus a wind chill that put us into the mild, mild minus 35 degrees Celsius minus 31 Fahrenheit uh, last weekend. Uh, it is currently a balmy uh, minus 12 degrees Celsius. Um, it was so cold last weekend that the dog, Coco, a breed from Tibet. Well, one presumes it's cold. Tibet is not known for its uh, beaches and sunny Mediterranean climate. Um, she went out on Saturday, called a hell no on potty breaks. And well, she hid inside for almost an unhealthy amount of time. I was getting worried about her. I put pee pads down because I figured she had to go sometime. Nope. Uh, she was waiting for it to warm up to, I think it was a balmy 18, minus 18 degrees at the time that she finally did go pee. But um, she held her pee for a long time. <laughs> Stubborn princess. <laughs> now, I think it's a very persuasive argument that dogs do, in fact, know stuff. Uh, this one does, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> we have we have a coat for her. Okay. I don't know if you've ever tried doing this, putting coats and things like that. She's a long-haired dog. Coats get in the way of her hair. You could put this thing on her and she just stands there and won't move. She's like a wooden toy. <laughs> so the only way she'll actually go outside is if you take the coat off, which defeats the entire purpose of having coat, boots, anything. So she just goes out the way she is. Stubborn dog. <laughs> well, perhaps she just doesn't like the cut of the coat. Um, I, I, you know, these things are important to some people. It's pink. Anyway, how about you? How's uh, life in the gym? Oh, the gym. Well, I haven't. I haven't left. Um, I'm still, in fact, going. Um, uh, where are we now? We we're recording on Thursday, and this week uh, I have I've done four sessions. So, by my calculations, that's every day, um, and I I fully intend to go tomorrow as well. So, there we are. Loving it. Um, you're getting your year's worth in, in the first few weeks. Is that it? <laughs> well, look, in fairness, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, I am not. So, uh, what we're doing at the moment is just rehabituating my body to the idea of, of doing some exercise. So I do, uh, a little bit of cardio, uh, which is what people who go to gyms call, um, standing on a treadmill and walking. Um, and then, uh, some, some sort of basic weights where I'm just doing one exercise per muscle group and, uh, you know, just getting there, but it's, it's a good workout. It's making me, uh, enjoy it. It's making me feel good. It's getting those endorphins going. Uh, so yeah, hopefully it's something I will stick to. Um, what else is going? Oh, uh, spice, um, 
the dog number one in the Lennon household, uh, she managed to pull out one of her own nails, um, which Oof. is not to be recommended, I think, whether you be a dog or a person. Um, I think she got it caught in her collar, bless her. Are you sure she wasn't working, walking the Camino and this was the result? <laughs> uh, well, if she was, uh, she wasn't wearing trainers, so it shouldn't have happened. But um, she's on antibiotics and she's on pain meds um, and she is loving all the attention. Uh, she's she's doing a cocoa, really. Uh, so when we finish recording, it's time to go upstairs. She will look at me from the couch uh, and quite possibly raise her paw as if to say, I can't possibly do the stairs, daddy. Uh, and I will be uh, just in style taking the dog for a walk in my arms. <laughs> you know that is uh, just so on point there, Stu. You've you've <laughs> never met Coco, but that is exactly. She just gives me, she sits, she gives me that look. Oh, those stairs! I can't do all of those, Daddy. <laughs> and generally, I pick yeah. her up and carry her up. Yeah, Spice Spice is very much in that mode at the moment. I'm I'm putting it down to her. Um, being ill rather than having some sort of, you know, major character change. But time will tell. Once you get used to it, you'll never stop. Yeah, well, let's hope not. Um, the the Mont Blanc that we talked about a few shows ago um, that I was sending off for a service. So that's uh, on its way now um, to, to Germany. Because what they do is they send it back to Germany. Germany takes a look at it, sends an email back saying, uh, yes, this will cost you uh, the price of a small car, or if it's a serious repair, this will cost you the price of a small state. Um, you accept the price, and uh, then it does its thing. So um, I'm in the midst of that process at the moment. I'm impressed. It's only January the 18th, and Mont Blanc in Germany <laughs> is open. Well, it's been open a full three days now. But um, I, you know you're in trouble when you go into the Mont Blanc shop, and he goes, oh, yeah, it's you. you you've got the John Lennon. But yeah, Absolutely. Uh, and there was this wonderful moment. This happens every time when we're filling in the forms. And it's like, and your name is Stuart Lennon. Sorry? Lennon. L-E-N-N-O-N. <laughs> and then he looks, he he looks at the John Lennon pen. He looks at me, looks back at and I've learned now just to stay quiet for this whole process. And he's trying to work out A, what the correct question would be. And um, B, whether there's any way that he could breach Mont Blanc politeness rules by asking it. So he's struggling away, you know, his grandson, son, um, uh, what could it be? A brother? A grandfather? Oh, I don't, mm, uh, until eventually I just put my eyes in misery and said, no relation. Um, but uh, as they're doing that, you get offered a coffee. Like, I'm, I'm literally dropping the pen off for, for two minutes, but no, have a coffee. And whenever that happens, I think, oh, this bill is going to be big. It's going to be a killer, this one. Uh, but there you go. If you want to get the the pens, you know, looked after properly, which I think you should do with a legacy pen like that, um, then the, those are the the prices you have to pay, I guess. Well, the coffee's going to help. <laughs> do you know, I turned it down because I'm that sort of guy. I just, no, no, it's fine. Uh, you know, if it's not sort of hand ground by a Cuban virgin, I'm simply not interested. Um, uh, so then what else is going on? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm recording 1857 again for uh, any listeners out there who sort of thought TJ and I had gone away forever. We're back. Oh, twice. Well, you know, the word on the street is we're, we're going to have a we're going to have a bash at a sort of regular uh, cadence again. I'll, it won't be weekly. I think it'll be the uh, the sort of reduced 
uh, sort of monthly cadence, but that's the plan anyway. Um, and yeah, I, it was great to talk to TJ again. I mean, it's, it's funny, but uh, my relationship with you, my relationship with TJ almost entirely rotates around the podcast. This is, you know, the, the longest time we get to chat. Um, so it was, it was great to sort of restart that with TJ. Um, and uh, listener Judith, I, I think, just put us to shame when it came to, to ice dips. Uh, she explained in, in, a, in a fantastic email how her polar bear dips uh, require someone with a chainsaw to cut a hole in the ice. Mm. That uh, would be our lake this week. Proof, if any were needed, that North Americans are slightly bonkers. Getting into freezing cold water, that's as bonkers as you can get. That that's not even freezing cold. That's frozen cold. That's way beyond freezing cold. That's just uh, well. I'm I'm sure it's very good for you. Yeah, I don't know if my heart my heart could survive such a dump. But anyway, um, speaking of Judas, I am still working through a little bit of follow up for me. That forty days and forty nights, it's getting better. Um, Judith uh, shared her experiences in that same email about noticing patterns. And I'm also sort of seeing that. Um, well, that and plus week two was asking much better questions that I can fumble together an answer to. Uh, we shall see. Uh, as far as other New Year's resolutions, well, I had a nice bottle of wine last Friday night. And that meant reducing alcohol for January sort of fell off the wagon. Because once you've had one stew, uh, you know... One is all it takes, but at least I'm coming to it with a fresh feeling of enjoyment. And God, was that a good bottle of wine. Anyway, that, that, that's all or nothing thinking, Justin. You shouldn't think like that. But you, you had a nice bottle of wine. That's great. Um, don't, don't worry about that. It was all the drinks that followed the wine that were the problem. All right, let's, let's try this again. You had one good, nut, you had one good weekend of, of drinking. That doesn't mean you need to drink every day thereafter. It's okay. <sighs> you... You, you know how it works. All or nothing. <laughs> All or nothing thinking. Yes, you've definitely got that sorted. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stu, what's your tool of the week this week? Uh, my tool of the week this week, oh, it's drag and drop. Um, who knew you could do that on a computer? No, uh, it's quite a specific drag and drop. Um, I can't remember where I was. I was listening to a podcast, I think. Um or maybe I looked it up. I can't remember, to be honest. But um, I, generally speaking, use things. Uh, and I use um, iCal, you know, the standard thing that comes comes on the Mac. And I can take a task from my task manager, from things. I can select it, drag it across to the calendar, let go, and it automatically sets up a time block. Um, the duration of which is set by the, the sort of default on the calendar. So mine are set for 30 minutes. Uh, so just drag it across and I've got a 30 minute task, which I can then, um, you know, just using the mouse, I can drag to a little bit longer or make a bit shorter. Uh, so it's made time blocking an absolute breeze, um, particularly as I was looking at all sorts of apps. Wow. Uh, that were um, offering, you know, to do this for me at enormous cost. Um, and yeah, it's free. I've, I can already do it. So yeah, I was, unreasonably excited by that but um, yeah that's my thing what about you what's been your tool of the week oh well mine is kind of the opposite of yours uh computers were making my life miserable 
rather than helping. Um, I've used a writing program called Bear, and I probably mentioned it before. Mm -hmm. I've used it. I was looking at it. I've got notes going back from 2016, 2017 in there. Great little app. At least I thought it was. Uh, but I was using it for some worky work stuff. I was working on a detailed legal claim the other day, uh, which if you, anybody has ever had the misfortune to work on something like that is very specific. There's lots of notes, there's lots of references, um, lots of research, formatted responses. And after I had spent an afternoon working on this, poof, the note disappears gone totally i can't go anywhere can't undo can't find it the search the trash i, I looked everywhere uh, i'm a pro subscriber because i throw money at this program every every year so i sent a request for help to the developer i would say i've been ghosted but it took him about 24 hours to get back to me something like that um okay. basically said um, tough noogies, it has gone. Um, did nothing to impress me. The response that I got back did nothing to impress me for timing because, well, I went to another notes app and redid the whole thing from scratch. It cost me an entire half day, well, over half day of extra work, uh, which Ouch. drove me nuts. Uh, I've been a paid supporter of this since... Well, quite a while. I guess that's, uh, what, seven years now? Um, cancel button. I have already canceled this. One thing I got to say, Apple, I know they have questionable subscription pricing things for developers, mm -hmm. but uh, the unsubscribe is perfect through Apple. And that's how I do a lot of my stuff. Uh, I go into my Apple ID and I go, no, I don't want to be part of that anymore. Um, yeah, they... they came back and told me, tough luck, it's gone. There's nothing you can do. Tried to blame it on me. Oh, maybe you deleted, deleted it. I say, what, what, do they, what did they sort of propose may have happened? Oh, that I may have accidentally hit delete, selected something and delete it. It was a multi-screen note. So the, how do you delete something like that? You know, that's like a, mm. uh, a select all delete. You know, there's lots of key pushes in there to get rid of it. Mm. Not something that one would be likely to do. Uh, the other thing, if I deleted the entire note, why is it in trash? And then in the final, or it could be a bug. Ah, ah that last one sounds suspiciously like we really don't know what's happened to it. Yeah, that's kind of it. But basically, now if it doesn't there, it's gone. Um, anyway, I'm back to being very wary of things within a box mm -hmm. bear is its own container sure yeah. you know it's like so many different writing apps that uh, we have uh and there is no place on my computer where i could even save it in that in that uh, particular application and if it goes bad well it goes really bad uh, I'm going to rethink my note writing approach. Uh, I'm going to talk to Stu about it next week uh, because I think this is a good topic for us. At the moment, I'm working in drafts, which is fairly basic, but uh, 
so far, it has been reliable as anything. Um, I'm not sure what we'll do, but we'll talk about that next week. But uh, mm. if you are using somebody else's container for note writing, consider what happens if it disappears. Because I was going to say, it's, I mean, does Time Machine cover this stuff? Does that back up other containers? Well, or do you need a degree to find the container? Well, there'd be nothing in Time Machine because it's all in sort of the bare database, right? And the bare database, how do you access a previous version of it? I have no idea. Is is the bare database in the in the cloud or? Yeah, it is. It's in the cloud. Oh, it's not local. Okay. So yeah, Time Machine wouldn't help you. Yeah, it's and again, you know, the what format is the database in? And I'm sure, yeah. I, honestly, um, I needed to get this done because legal case, this is work. Mm -hmm. uh, I could distract myself for a day trying to figure out how to find yeah. half a day's worth of notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had it fresh in my mind. I just started over the next morning. Uh, the other thing was the lack of support on this one. Well, we don't know what it is. Could be a bug. See if you can reproduce it. Yeah, I'm going to work for another half day in your bloody app just to lose it again and say, yes, it does the same thing. Um, no, done. Oh, dear. Well, I'm sorry about that. It sounds like a total pain in the uh, uh, neck. It did have an impact on my productivity this week. Anyway, Stu, let's talk about good stuff. What you writing with? Anything new? Uh, anything. Well, I'm still um, sort of largely in the same set as last time. I've changed out one pen, uh, which um, ran out oh, kind of this morning. That seems to be, I'm on a, a weekly cycle for my main pen, if you like. So I was using the uh, Lamy 2000, um, and I've now switched it out for the Pelican M805 Stressemann with Bonblanc Midnight Blue in it. Uh, Very nice. Uh, and was yeah. that a, I've used all the ink or yep. I can't stand this ink, therefore it's gone? Nope, nope, used it. Um, uh, I, I'm not a very conscientious filler. And the Lamy 2000, it's very, very difficult to tell whether you've got a big fill or a small fill because you've only got that tiny little window there. Um, but no, it ran out. I mean, it's, I've done a lot of writing. So uh, it ran out this morning, uh, which is great. Perfect. I, I quite like this rotating once a week. Um, I've got my my secondary pen, if you like, has got um, manganese orange in it, the Sailor 1911. And that's a lovely sort of, it's like almost a highlighter pen for me. Uh, and that will last, I, I imagine, a week or two more. Um, but yeah, both lovely nibs. The Pelican is a big boy pen. It's a big nib. Uh, very inky, flows beautifully over all my notebooks. Um, and the, the Sailor's a little bit more delicate, a little bit more dinky and refined. So it's, it's a nice little pair. What about you? What are you using this week? Exactly the same as last week. Um, I'm rotating my pens every day, mostly because I think it looks pretty in my book. I have one day's mm -hmm. worth in one color and one day's worth in a different color. Uh, but the problem that I use fine nibs, extra fine nibs, depending on which pen it is, there is not a lot of ink going out. Um, so yes, I'm running this same, same group of pens. I got to learn how to do a stew fill so that uh, I don't, I, I've got a tendency, I burp the pens and make sure I get a really good fill stew. Mm -hmm. um, so they last forever, especially things like a Twisby. Um, oh, sure. You know how much is in there uh, with a extra fine nib. I think that thing will be done by Christmas. 
Yeah, we're not sure which Christmas, but by a Christmas, yeah. Yeah, so I'm using uh, the Moonman M800, which is basically a Pelican knockoff, a Leonardo Memento Zero in Mango, which is also a Pelican knockoff, and the Twisby Diamond 580. Hey, guess what that is, Stu? That's a Pelican knockoff. <laughs> I guess I have a thing for this shape of pen. I didn't realize until I was thinking about it that, yeah, they all kind of look the same. Huh. Oh, well. <laughs> So hang on, I'm just looking at your inks here before you go on. There's some some really interesting inks there. Really? Which ones do you like? Best wishes and closing. Well, I, I'm looking at best wishes and closing thoughts. I mean, it's just, it's just a lovely title. <laughs> what color is it? Oh, that is nice. It is green with a sheen and a shimmer. Wow. Funky stuff. You're not doing tax returns with that little baby. It's a dark gray, so it's really nice. It's um, this was the Diamine Ink Vent. Oh, okay. Uh, the calendar last year, twenty twenty two. I did not do this in twenty twenty three because, let's face it, twenty five small bottles of ink. I don't use that much in a year. I'm just making a collection of these things. Uh, but day twenty five, they give you a big bottle, and that's what this was. And I th came across it, thought, ah, oh, let's give it a go. I wanted something different. Uh, it's just really cool because it's sheeny and shimmery at the same time. So it's got sort of, well, all of all of the attributes. Really cool ink. Mm, nice. I must, uh, I must, I, I think I might spread my wings this year on a few more inks. Now that I've got my little um, sort of Mont Blanc steady supply established, I might just uh, have some, some more playful inks to have a go with. It's not a bad place to start, I suppose, is it? Uh, the diamonds are good too. And they're relatively inexpensive as far as inks go sure i gotta say though i'm not following up on a lot of uh the new releases of inks and stuff like that um i'm just uh i've got so much ink that it's kind of hard to get excited about the new stuff because it's all basically a variant of something that i have already how do, how do you deal with that do you tried and true or you're you're not particularly exciting when it comes to brand new ink releases i don't think either no i mean i'm pretty careful i just i i sort of have enough ink to think it's irresponsible to buy too much more um so i i got one of the diamine um sets i think it was the music set um which we were selling at nero's um so i bought one uh and that's got mm, i guess 12 30 mil uh bottles in it which you know, you think of that as a volume, you think, well, that's nothing. But you try and go through that volume of ink, you need to be writing quite a lot. Um, and I've also got some Sailor. I've got some of the Pilot ink. I've got some Pelican. Um, so I've got a few, and it's it's so easy to end up with more and more and more and more. So I didn't buy any ink last year until I finally caved towards the end of the year and got myself that sort of little base set of Mont Blanc that I wanted, um, which I suppose is not really not buying any ink, is it? That's buying ink, but you know what I mean? So yeah, I I, I let Brad and Mike uh, wax lyrical about it and um, and just just let it flow over me. He said, ha, pun not intended. But um, <laughs> hopefully it's not flowing over you. I did. No, well, well fingers and thumbs maybe. I, years ago, I don't know if I should ever admit this on a podcast, was filling a Robert Oster ink. 
And I don't know if you've seen those bottles, Stu. They're tall and they're kind of thin. Guess what happens when you're not careful? I knocked the entire bottle over towards my lap. Oh, well done. I looked like, well, half of me was Papa Smurf for about a week afterwards. (laughs) Uh, It went, landed in my crotch on the on the desk, on the floor, on the carpet. Um, by the time I was soaking the carpet out, that blue had gone, not just to my lap, but uh, had gone up my arms. I, I tell you, I really look like a Smurf. Uh, so now I am super, super careful when refilling those. Uh, it was that bad that um, even Robert Oster felt bad for me. Uh, and apologized on uh, on Instagram to me. What a what a wonderful thing. He was. Are you okay? Uh, but yes, it was it was embarrassing and uh, yeah, blue everywhere. It stains. That's all I'm saying. Oops. <laughs> um, thus far, I've avoided any of those disasters. He said, touching every piece of wood he could find. I'm hoping I avoid it nowadays because uh, I'm still stupid enough. I actually fill up on my antique roll top desk. Um, and if I ever got that covered in ink, I'd be very, very upset. Ah, well, it would all be part of the the rich tapestry of the piece. That's what we're going to say. That's your, you know, pre-prepared disaster scenario. It's lasted over 100 years until Justin turned it blue. I could just see it now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oof. Perish the thought. All right, Sue, let's talk about our topic today. How to achieve the impossible possible the 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 byline for this is uh, how did we get to this topic when the poo poo hits the cooling device um this is entirely unrelated to Stu's 15,000 word ABA project that suddenly came up in six weeks um six weeks and of course for Stu included holidays travel and oops prior commitments um Stu how did you do it uh do you have any thoughts on how to marshal your resources to achieve the impossible (laughs) well i mean first of all obviously it's not impossible because uh spoiler alert uh, i did it um and uh you know ultimately fifteen thousand words sounds like a heck of a load of words it's not actually um if you look at what you write during a, a normal week just add up all the words that you write in emails and reports and, you know, journals, whatever, whatever you do, you'll find that 15,000 words is not as much as you might imagine, but it just feels incredibly intimidating. Um, quite how I've got myself into it was, um, it was partly a problem with the interface I was using. Uh, mostly it was user error. So, Um, It wasn't very clear to me how I was supposed to choose my dissertation and how I was supposed to sort of initiate it uh, through the sort of online platform that I was using. And so I kind of set it off by accident, at which point uh, it went, right, it's due on this date and you've got to start it by that date. Thanks. And I I got in touch with the we, we talked about it on an episode, I think. I got in touch with the school and said, yeah, hang on. I didn't really mean that. That's not what I wanted to happen because I don't want to overlap with my my taught modules because I'm doing this part-time. I've got a business. Well, I've got a couple of businesses. 
So I'd like just to sort of, you know, stop the clock on that, push it back and, and start again. And they went, oh, no, no, we can't possibly do that, no. <gasps> no, oh, oh, no, we would have to call in uh, 4,000 professors who would have to sit at a high table and decide whether or not you should be executed for this crime. Uh, so I went, oh, okay, well, never mind. Um, and I put it in my, my mind that uh, the thing was due uh, January 24. And somehow in my head, that became the 24th of January rather than, uh, dare I say it, the 9th of January 2024. So Although it was in my calendar, <laughs> it was in my task manager, uh, it was just, it just sort of slipped off my radar, I guess. Uh, so I found myself in a position where it was due in six weeks. I'd, I had started asking, because there's some research involved with this, so mm-hmm. I had asked people whether they would be prepared to be interviewed. And... Uh, so I had a list of people that would be, and I had the data um, from a couple of surveys. Those surveys were sort of independent of my studies, but I was going to use them as, as a base point. So I knew that I had access to those, even if I didn't have them in hand at time. So from that point of view, the sort of the pre-work um, wasn't incredibly demanding. It was really the write-up that was, was sitting in front of me. Um, and six weeks, I thought, okay, that's not too bad. And then, until I looked at my calendar, where I had, you know, several work deadlines, uh, travel, uh, the holidays, and I thought, oh, this is this is actually not nothing like six weeks. Um, so I did what I should have done in the first place, and uh, said, okay, right, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to do it? What's my method? What's my schedule? Um, and in in many, many ways, actually, I, I owe the whole thing to you, Justin, because you were the one that pointed me towards uh, Cal Newport's, I think, second book, uh, which is How to Be a Straight A Student, which is so old, you can't get it on Kindle. Mm. Um, and I had to track down uh, a paperback, I think, in Amazon, Germany. Eventually, I found it um, and and got it sent out to me here in Cyprus. And it's uh, it, it's one of those books that you read and think, well, this is all obvious. And then I thought, it's until you don't do it. <laughs> exactly, it's so obvious that I don't do any of this. Um, so therefore, I thought it was it was brilliant. And he really does give some very straightforward but detailed advice about how to, uh, you know. A, not get into the position I got myself into, uh, but B, how to how to plan a project. Um, and I think anybody who does any sort of project management, whether it be studying or anything else, it's really worth reading. Um, it's uh, it's not difficult to read. Um, it's not highfalutin. Um, but if you approach every project you ever do using this methodology, I think you'll be very successful. Um and so I, I I put into practice what was in that book, and I you know broke down the task into to what I needed to do and what was important and what time I had available to me, and started you know just time blocking and saying okay I'm going to do some reading here and I'm going to do some reading there and I'm going to perhaps make some notes on this there watch a video you know I just made it entirely approachable. 
sure, I had to clear my calendar and I had to, you know, look at some other commitments and say, okay, can I move this? Can I move that? Can I change this? Um, no Christmas this year. <laughs> well, actually, it was pretty quiet. But um, once I'd done all of that, I, I suddenly felt, you know, uh, in control and empowered. Sure, I didn't have the option that I normally have of, ah, yeah, I can do that tomorrow. You know, once the plan was in place, I needed to get the work done. But I had broken the the work into, what did I do? I think I did about eight chapters and each chapter was broken into headings and then each heading had an approximate word count by it. So I knew I needed to do 250 words on that, 500 on this, 500 on that. Um, and so could sort of chart my progress as I was going through to make sure that I was actually on target. Uh, and it, I found it incredibly empowering um, and incredibly motivating. You know, there's nothing motivates like a deadline. Um, and the other big thing that saved me was TJ, because TJ, who is... I'm not going to say he's a career academic. That would be unfair. But he he does work at a university, uh, a very good university. In fact, Queen's Belfast, I'm telling you, how about you? Um, and I'd been whinging and whining, I think, to you about the joys of referencing, academic referencing. And he pointed me towards uh, an application called Zotero or Zotero, I don't know, uh, Z-O-T-E-R-O, uh, which is an app for the Mac. Um, I don't know if it works on iOS, I've no idea, um, where you can put all of your sources and it it sort of does the referencing for you. Uh, it's a plugin for Word, which is uh, the sort of software of choice for academic institutions for reasons best known to themselves. Oh, you've just lost me at Word. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, you can imagine me, I'm, I'm sitting there looking at Word going, I hate this piece of software, and then looking at the rules for referencing going, this is nonsense. Um, and Zotero just, just made it that little bit easier. And so, yeah, I, I, I got it all done. Uh, in fact, I got it done early. It took me three weeks. Uh, and that included, um, I suppose I must have done three or four um, Turnitin checks, which is when they, uh, you know, a computer goes through your manuscript to make sure it's not entirely plagiarized. Um, now, I hadn't done any plagiarizing, so I was pretty confident it was going to be okay, but um, they recommend that you do this. When you start using Zotero for a thing, you know, for your references, would that, if you're using a computer to use a computer to check a computer, I don't know. It's confusing. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the thing is, if you put the full paper in with references, all of your references um, automatically hit as, as plagiarized. Do they really? This is this has appeared in uh, this has appeared in thirty other papers, and you think, well, yeah, it's you know, it's an authoritative piece on the paper, so that's fine. Um, in fact, because um, I was doing some research about this, um, one of the things that uh, markers look for is to see if your references don't turn up as plagiarization, because that would indicate that either they're made up or very very scarce. Uh, you know not not often quoted or even worse they might have been produced by a little thing called chat gpt um because chat gpt just makes stuff up <laughs> so it just goes uh the history of economics by twyford 1988 
And then if you go looking for the history of economics by Twyford 1980, it doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so that's one of the things that the markers is look for, is to make sure that your references do actually exist, which I suppose is a sign of the times. All right. You just have to be like, think like an academic. You set up a website, you create a paywall, mm -hmm. and you put Twyford 1988 behind the paywall <laughs> at least that way you make some money just and you get to annoy the uh, academics largely in the same way that most academic texts are this days they're all hidden behind a damn paywall <laughs> well most most of my tutors were like a website oh no no don't be silly no no i mean use them if you must but would really much rather books published papers well okay yep fine it's 2023, everyone, or 24 now. But uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, I could talk for hours about um, academia and how it works. I mean, it's very, very similar to any other discipline. Um, I'm, you'd be, I'm sure, the first to admit that accountancy is full of all sorts of quirks and you're forced to do sort of, um, con uh, what is it, continuous personal development, CPD points and everything to maintain uh, various and so compliance certainly is is full of nonsense and more jargon than you could shake a big stick at. All of these um, these disciplines have a sort of um, a code used to to exclude outsiders. Um, and yeah, it's what it's one of my personal sort of pet peeves, not just about academia but about anything. I mean, I find my um, I, my tagline for for my consultancy business is aml compliance in plain english that's what i try and do is puncture that bubble and and make these things more accessible and that's very much what i'm about with all things i, I don't like golf clubs that tell me that i can't wear black socks i have to wear white socks you know all that stuff winds me up um but the i say the the work having to to really focus i took a huge amount of enjoyment out of this um to the extent that it's completely colored my plan for 2024 um it's it, you know it's changed my life uh, it kind of has to be honest um in that i look look at doing fewer things and i've had a really sort of strong look about how i want to spend my time and a lot of that came from the enjoyment I got from actually just doing focus or what Cal Newport would call it deep work, you know, focusing on one thing to the exclusion of everything else and, you know, allowing yourself half an hour at the end of the day. Oh, let me check, see if there are any fires I need to put out anywhere. Uh, otherwise I'm, I'm working on the project, which in this case was the MBA. And, um, all of this should of course come with the caveat that I've not had a mark so the, the paper might come back saying this looks like it was written in three weeks it's nonsense um fail who knows i mean that might happen I, I hope not it felt pretty good as i read through um we'll just have to wait and see uh you just need a little mark to pass the course right uh yeah i mean i'm i, I did pretty well on the talk modules so um i'm in a pretty strong position um i'm never quite certain how they do all the waiting stuff i think um, I've, I think I've taken 60 to 70% of the, of the, the marks have already been done. If you see what I mean, the, uh, 
the dissertation is worth thirty percent, I think. So um, I, I should be I should be pretty safe by most measures, but I don't know. It's academia. It's a different language, Justin. I'm having some weird flashbacks too, and I'm not really enjoying them. Thank you very much for reminding me. <laughs> the final paper, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you did yours. You did yours years ago, didn't you? Uh, if... Yeah, ten years ago. So yes, uh, things that I haven't thought about since then, actually. Uh, you, uh -huh. Yes, the process. If uh, the academia, uh, turn it in. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> uh, cool. So any big lessons that takeaways that you've got for other people other than to read uh cal newport's book and time block everything uh yeah i mean i think those are uh the the key points is to have a plan um the newport book is is very straightforward it's a very logical approach to any project to so, say okay you know this is what you need to do um but it also i think crosses some lines that maybe tutors wouldn't approve of but uh it's, it's quite realistic you know nobody reads all the stuff um in any academic discipline you can uh there are some things that you do need to read and you know really understand and get stuck into and there are other things that you can skim uh and go okay that's something i might need to come back to or i might need to, to dive deeper in. and he says that which just made me feel a whole lot better i thought okay it's not just me being lazy then this is this is realistic um Smart guy, that Cal Newport, didn't he? Yeah, he's, he's done all right for himself, I think. Um, so I think approach it with a plan. Um, stick to that. I mean, first and foremost, try not to get involved in stuff you don't want to do. And I think what pushed me through this in the end was that actually that I'm doing this degree or I've done this degree now for no reason other than I wanted to do it. Uh, nobody is going to pay me anymore. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit old to go to graduations and wear mortarboards. Um, this was purely something for me. And so with that motivation, I was able to put my backside in the seat and say, okay, I'm going to get this done and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Um, whereas when I first uh, was a student, I, I found myself with my bum in my seat looking at oh, an old Amstrad word processor with a CRT monitor. That's how old we are, folks. Um, and I found myself looking at it going, I really don't care about this. I want to be back in Paris working really hard, but earning real money and spending it on drink and food and, you know, having a great time in Paris. Um, We're back to my bottle so, of wine, are we? <laughs> well, I did, did manage the odd decent bottle out of it. Um, and, you know, that's eventually what I did. So I never finished my bachelor's degree. I went back to Paris to carry on uh, being the, the financial services guy rather than being the poor student. Um, whereas this time, uh, you know, I was motivated. So breaking the task down into, into manageable pieces, time blocking, I think is incredibly useful. Uh, and then just go ahead and execute, just get the stuff done. Um, focus. It, it, it really is a superpower. It's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but certainly, um, in today's world, I think people are really bad at it. Um, people don't do it very much. But if you're forced to, uh, you'd be amazed what you can get done with some focus. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. Uh, I've got a few extra thoughts in addition to Stu's, mm. uh, mostly because, well, these last six months have been brutal at work and I've had a lot of these, uh, 
deadlines and yeah, just this, this resonates with me. Mostly mine were enforced by somebody else. So I don't have Stu's luxury, but the first thing that came to mind is don't panic. Uh, don't panic, of course, is the phrase on the cover of The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. This was partly because the device looked insanely complicated to operate and partly to keep intergalactic travelers from panicking. It is said that despite its many glaring and occasional fatal inaccuracies, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy itself has outsold the Encyclopedia Galactica because it's slightly cheaper and because it has the word don't panic in large friendly letters on the cover. Um, yes, I think this, from my youth, is still one of the best pieces of advice I ever read. <laughs> Don't panic. Indeed. Um, because it is easy to get caught up in the moment of panicking, and that will add stress. You will lose that clarity. You'll lose that focus if you're not sure what you're doing. The other thing that I think is crucially important use a task manager or some trusted system. Oh, we're back to GTD, Stu. We're back to GTD. <laughs> um, having a single place to see everything that needs to be done allows one to see what can be pushed back and what the consequences therefore are and truly what needs to be done. So you can go in as Stu did and look at everything in one place and figure out what you still need to do, because let's face it, I think we've all been there. We've made mistakes. We've dropped everything to focus on one thing and we've missed something critical. Um, a task manager allows you to push back everything that is possible and regularly reviewing it will help you keep up with the other stuff that can't be pushed back. And finally, well, breathe. Everything will be okay. The final thought is lose perfection. Mm. We often tend to wallow in perfection. Um, Silicon Valley has the minimal viable product approach to get you where you need to be. What do you need to be? Refine as time allows. And I think, Stu, you probably went with this, right? You came up with this and revised as necessary. You didn't come in with this idea of perfection and spin your wheels until you got to where this was perfect. You came in with what does this need to be? And then let me revise it to get where I need to be. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, any, any large project that you're procrastinating either consciously or unconsciously, um, perfection is the one we tend to use. So for me, it's the novel. You know, I've been mucking about with it and pushing it around. Oh, and this could be better. And I, I must rewrite that and blah, blah. What I'm going to apply this exact same system to to the to my novel, which has been you know wallowing around for let's say seven years, um, possibly eight, um, and just use the same thing and set myself a deadline and say, okay, right, here we go. I've got a, I've got a first draft that's complete. I've got several endings. I've got some notes. I've got some thoughts, but I'm going to sit down and make a plan. I'm going to use time blocking to work to a deadline. And it's very much then of going, okay, does this chapter need rewriting? No, it's fine. It's okay. Does this to get to that sort of minimum viable product? 
get some input from some other people um, and then go, right, okay, uh, guys, I need the input by this date because I then need to implement whatever I'm going to implement because then I'm shipping. Bang, it's done. And I think in many ways, sometimes that's the only way to force yourself to get stuff out is to, <laughs> is to sort of set that, that deadline in, in stone and work to it using these principles like MVP. I think you kind of hit on the most important thing. Define the first step and take action on it because we become blinded by a daunting task and all the unknowns. We focus on those things rather than starting with the easy steps. Any action to get started, even if it's the wrong action, any action will start the ball rolling. And once a ball roll is rolling, it gains momentum much more easily than if it stops again. So procrastination, I think, is one of the biggest things that we deal with. It's real. We For sure. We can look at all kinds of timelines on all kinds of social media to procrastinate. I mean, hell, I'm even willing to go out and shovel snow if I can procrastinate. <laughs> but the reality is, first step, take one, one step and take an action. Um, I think there's a, an old uh, J.R.R. Tolkien quote, and I don't remember exactly it is, but you've got to be careful, Mr. Baggins, if you, what is it? If you put one foot in front of another, you just never know where you'll end up or something to that effect. <laughs> the yep. idea is with, the, with this, anything needs a first step. It's so hard to take those. So do you find that, Stu? Absolutely. I mean, I was just um, writing a note there because it's, um, Newport is quoted somewhere. I don't know where, um, a saying that he feels 60 out, uh, sorry, 40 hours of planned work, um, is the equivalent of 60 hours of unplanned work. So that investing a little bit of time in working out what the next step is and what you're going to do when so that you're not thinking of big picture, but thinking of those, those details can, can deliver a huge premium. Yeah. It, if you just take that as a week, you know, the 40 hour example, it, it's like gaining after two hours of planning, you gain 18 hours of productivity, if you like. So your week is 50% more effective. It's a huge premium. And it's one that I don't think we use enough. And you and I do nothing but talk about planning all of the time. And it's so easy, particularly when you get busy and people start throwing deadlines at you and different work. As you say, you've got all sorts of people managing your, your workload, uh, as do I, bizarrely. I mean, customers, you know, keep turning up and expecting me to work, which is very unreasonable of them, but there you are. Um, as, that, as that happens, it's so easy to turn around and say, oh, okay, and start bouncing from one thing to another and not actually working out, hang on. You know, what are the important things here? How do I fit them in? How do I plan them out? That's for me was the huge lesson was just take that time to work out what the next thing is, what the important thing is, how I'm just going to manage myself effectively. And I used to get paid lots of money to manage other people. And the reason I was paid lots of money to manage other people is that managing other people is tough. Managing yourself is tough too. And you have to put the time into it. You can't just assume that you're going to be uh, the perfect employee because you're not. Well, I'm certainly not. Um, but taking this time that I now use to, to plan my day, to plan my week, 
uh, makes an enormous difference to my productivity and really helps battle procrastination. Excellent. Yeah, I think you're completely on point there. Manage yourself first before you can manage anybody else. For sure. Or, all right. You got any takeaways from this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the obvious, get ahead of the big tasks. <laughs> Don't be Stu, uh, be Justin. See it coming in your task manager. He'll be talking about, uh, uh, what is it you use? Uh, OmniFocus 11 or something, which has just come out. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that later. And invest time in planning out the work uh, in manageable, non-threatening chunks. What about you, JT? What's your takeaway? Well, if you work for other people, uh, stuff happens. Not what I had typed, but uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, these these types of things will happen. Not necessarily from you forgetting to plan things, but uh, things dumping on your plate. Prepare a what-if scenario of tools in your toolkit so you'll be ready with an approach the next time someone dumps a project like this on your desk. So that means, you know, get... Cal Newport's book, if that's something that speaks to you, but have an approach like Stu's, get into the habit of time blocking, get into the habit of using, for me, a task manager or some other trusted system. It doesn't have to be a task manager, but understanding how you can focus your time, how you can establish first steps, how you can time block. Because let's face it, if you work for somebody else, we all get these. Hopefully it's not five o'clock on a Friday afternoon, but usually it is because bosses be bosses. Uh-huh. Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, on the internet, you can find me at stuartlannon.com, uh, where I'm writing all sorts of stuff. Uh, you can find me at limeconsulting.com, which is all terribly serious, sort of anti-money laundering. Uh, I wouldn't go there, to be honest. Um, much more fun is nerosnotes.co.uk, which is a... Uh, an emporium of stationery, some lovely stationery that you can buy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter occasionally at 4left187. Um, generally just looking at the world going, this is crazy. And I have to say, Twitter is getting harder and harder for me to understand. I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to be there for long, to be honest. What about you, JT? Where can people find you? Uh, well, nowhere. I'm pretty much hiding out. I've... Uh been working on my journal quietly on my own and apart from kind of doing the podcast i've really been quiet on the internet which is surprising but that's okay i got show to snow to shovel so that's okay <laughs> um if you are interested in sending us any feedback we'd love to hear it please email us stationaryjacentgmail.com can you take a moment like and review us on your podcast catcher choice we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that might get something from this. Particularly if you are a boss and about to dump a big project on somebody, this might be a good episode to recommend. <laughs> Our next topic, as I've hinted about, is notes. Uh, Stu's talked about his note taking, so I want to find out what he's doing because, well, after my rant earlier, um, I need to figure something out of how I'm going to move forward. Until next week, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.